Amen. There is a good shepherd that walks with his sheep. And those promises that God gave Isaiah, that the waters would not overwhelm us, the fires would not uh, burn us, the flames he would snatch us from there. Praise God. Children, you're heading off to Children's Church to study God's Word. And we're doing the same this morning as we turn in our Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. So if you'll take your copy of God's Word this morning and as we approach the Lord's table, God has a word for us as we observe and remember that God has saved us from the fire. Amen? Amen. That's an eternal fire. That's what salvation, we're redeemed from that. And so if we go through trials in life and those refining fires that God allows in your life and my life is just perfecting our faith. And, and that helps us to have a healthy perspective on, on when we encounter trials to know that we're saved from that eternal fire. Praise God this morning. Last week, you know, we learned God's an awesome God. And if He's an awesome God, we should all do what? Take a step back, right? Stand in awe of who He is. There's no God like Him. When you and I have contemplated just how awesome God is, all the attributes that we've considered from His transcendence being so much higher, being infinite, incomprehensible, sovereign, and yet holy, merciful, loving, gracious to you and to me, righteous. We've learned quite a bit about God, and we all should take a step back because none of us have figured Him out. And yet what we learned this week in the attribute is not a taking a step back. It's actually an attribute that should cause you and me to take a step forward, several steps forward towards Him because God is compassionate. He is compassionate, or as Jeremiah would say, His compassions fail not. His mercies new every morning. Paul's going to speak about an incident that happened here in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. About a people, listen, they took a step back when they're at the mountain, but they didn't take a step forward. That's the danger as we walk by faith. That we step back, but we never step forward. And continue, we take, continuing to take those steps forward. That, that's the journey of faith. See, here's the amazing thing. God hasn't changed. The God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament, and He's the same God today. He remains an awesome God. All of His work, not just recorded on Scripture, but just the awesome work to snatch you, to snatch me from the chains of sin and set us free, that's an awesome work. The new birth experience. And we should step back and say, God's awesome. But each and every day, the invitation is there for you and I to take steps forward. Because he hasn't changed about being compassionate either. He's a God who's actually reaching towards you, reaching towards me, wooing us with love, saying, come. I'm a compassionate God. Come and see for yourself. Come experience that. In fact, some in the sanctuary, we we need to refine our thinking because we think we've got God figured out. We're a little bit too comfortable in our faith. And we need to take a step back because God is awesome. And there's others that are gathered here watching online, listening on the radio, who need to take steps forward in response to God's compassion that is being extended to all of us. Paul is exhorting these believers here in the book of Hebrews. He's encouraging them that, listen, Jesus is superior to everything in the Old Testament, and He is God's compassion towards you and towards me. 
And on our pilgrimage, just like all those in Hebrews 11 who walk by faith, like Father Abraham, looking for the city whose builder is God, living for that city, those who've experienced his mercy, those who've experienced his grace, you and I are going to experience trials that are going to refine our faith, and we're going to be put in moments and periods of testing, just as these readers were in, in the book of Hebrews, as Paul exhorted them, they were being um, in, in going through trials and distress because of their faith in Christ, you and I need to realize that this morning, that I need to experience God's compassion. And, and this encouragement gives us great incentive to listen to the truth that God expresses His mercy to you and me in compassionate ways. Some may wonder, I don't know if I've got the spiritual stamina to make it. And Paul's going to say, yes, you do. And in fact, don't miss out. God is compassionate each and every day. In fact, you and I should be able to come boldly to Him. Now, I'm going to go through the whole chapter, chapter 4, and yet I want to focus just this morning as we stand to read verses 14 through 16 so we have time to get through this. But I want to show you the argument that Paul is presenting here in Hebrews. So if you'll stand with me and honor the word of the Lord so we can hear God speak and, and so that we can take a step forward towards God. You see, seeing that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Father, I know we're all needy. God, we need you. Thank you, Father, that you walk with us through the fires. And Lord, I pray for brothers and sisters who have been experiencing distress recently, Lord, and they need your grace, they need your mercy, they need your help. God, may none of us think we're beyond needing that. God, today, tonight, right now, we come to you and Lord, we recognize that, Lord, we have one who's interceding for us, and he is compassionate. And Lord, as we come today, we ask that we would experience that grace. And even as we gather as the family of faith around this table, that we would celebrate that grace that reached us. And Lord, not only that, but we'd go forth from this place to a world around us that needs to experience your grace and your compassion. So Lord, help us to be faithful who have experienced that to share it with others. And Lord, if someone today has yet to put their faith and trust in Christ as their Lord and Savior, my prayer is today they would discover that your mercy and your compassion reaches to them. We ask this all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen and amen. You may be seated. God is inviting everyone this morning to take a step forward toward him. Why? Because he is a compassionate God. Now, why do I need to understand it this morning? Listen carefully. Hurt people don't always do that, do they? People who are hurt physically, emotionally, spiritually, they don't always step forward for help. Let's be honest. Sometimes in our pride, we don't want to acknowledge we need help. That's sin, by the way. We need help, not just from one another, but ultimately we need help from God. And the amazing thing God is saying to you and saying to me this morning that 
His merciful character reaches towards you and reaches towards me and gives us hope as sinners. And we can recognize that his compassion is wooing us, reaching towards us, drawing us to him. Divine compassion is that exercise of his mercy to those who are destitute spiritually, physically, materially. God shows compassion to those who are vulnerable. And oftentimes we know those who are most vulnerable are the ones who are exploited by the world around them. In fact, it's interesting when you look in the Old Testament, what you see is God's mercy and his compassion reaching into everyday lives. Especially those who were needy, those who were without help, those who frankly were the most vulnerable in society. In fact, God doesn't just promise to them and their physical needs. He also ministers to those who are sinners by offering mercy and compassion to us. Now, God's law explains time and again that his people are instructed to show compassion to those who are most needy, like orphans, like widows, like aliens. By the way, those aren't the aliens that Congress is talking about, okay? That's a distraction so you don't focus on the current criminality of the leadership of our government. Right? Realize that it's a distraction. Don't get caught up in it. God is merciful to the poor. He shows compassion. And he calls his, his people to show compassion. In fact, specifically in Deuteronomy chapter 15, there are laws that are given that were supposed to be Visible manifestations by the people of God to those who are the most vulnerable. To, to make sure that they don't suffer injustice. And, and, and we extend compassion because we realize, as God says, there always will be poor in the land. Now, while this world we live in currently is, is focusing on social justice and ministering in that way, biblical justice still cares for those who are hurting. In fact, do you know what the proverb says? The wise man lends to the poor because he realizes he's actually lending to who? The Lord. We, we, a wise person does care for those around him and shows compassion because we've been shown compassion. In fact, the blessings, as a psalmist would say, that God has given to you and to me aren't for us. They're to be leveraged, according to Psalm 67, so that the, the world might fear him and they might turn to him. That's the great missionary song. In fact, it's the prophets who, who, who condemned God's people because they had forgotten about those who were most vulnerable. In fact, oppressed them instead of caring for their brothers. In fact, instead of caring for the orphan, caring for the widow, caring for those sojourners, God's people had forgotten that. And, and, and the prophets had to come time and again, Isaiah, Jeremiah, reminding them. That you have oppressed, you have abused, you have taken advantage of those who truly need God's compassion. And you should show compassion. You see, here's the amazing thing though. When you come to the New Testament, Jesus shows compassion. He manifests it. He sees the crowds as sheep with no shepherd. They're, they're, they're run over, literally trodden down. They, they, they've been downcast. And, and yet his compassionate invitation is what? Come unto me. All ye weary, all ye are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is, is easy, my burden is light. In fact, he's so compassionate. Isaiah, when he describes him, says, listen, he will not even touch a bruised reed. 
Just stop for a moment. Think about this. The compassion of Jesus. If you ever take your son down, walk near the riverbed, and you know those, those, uh, those cattails and those other uh, little shoots that come up, and they're hollow, and, and it doesn't take much. A limb hits them, and then, and then they're, they're like that. They're bruised. Jesus doesn't come by and go, oh, well, let's just knock that one over. That's, that's encouraging today. Because I know some of you are bruised. You've been hurt. And, and there's a gentle savior, a good shepherd. His name is Jesus, and, and he's compassionate. He doesn't come, when his hand comes to touch you, it's to bring healing, not to hurt you. Now, we don't always realize that and recognize that. Here's the amazing thing. God's compassion isn't merely for those who are poor economically. His, it, he, he's, it's for those who are poor spiritually. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. He doesn't just come to those who are orphaned relationally. He, he comes to those who truly need a loving father. Behold what manner of love the father has given us. That we have become the children of God. Wow. We, we, we needed a, a good heavenly father. Because we were of children of the devil before. He doesn't just come to those who are sojourners, aliens in the land. He comes to us because we are estranged from him in our sin, in our rebellion, in our unwillingness to obey what he commands. And as such, he gives us aid. He shows us compassion and he saves us and redeems us. And then he gives us grace to sustain us through life. And Paul is exhorting these believers and he's saying to them, listen... Realize that there's a compassionate invitation that is given by God. And, and it's our responsibility not to miss what he is offering us today. You know why? Because some missed it. In fact, notice this in the Bible. I'm going to highlight this. You might want to circle this four times. I draw my line from these four, this, this word that's repeated four times. Let us. And, and all through this chapter, and you can just see the argument. Notice what he says in verse 1. Therefore, since... A promise remains of entering his rest. Let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Down in verse 11, I circled this right there at the beginning of verse 11. Let us, and I drew my line from verse 1 down to verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Then I drew a line down to verse 14 where it says, let us. There at the end of the verse, and I circled that. Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. And then there's one more, don't miss it. It's the one that's vital for you and me to take a step forward. If I truly know that God is compassionate this morning, let us therefore, verse 16, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Anybody need it today? Anybody need grace? Not just me. I know there's a bunch of you. You need grace. You need to take a step forward. Well, what's the argument? Paul's saying, listen, let us fear missing out on what God is offering and it's rest. He, he's off. Now, that's not taking a nap. All right. There are those who missed out. You read it in the Old Testament. They were oppressed in Egypt. They were strangers in that land and they were Oppressed, so oppressed that they called out to God and said, deliver us. And so God heard their prayers and he sent Moses to deliver them. And God showed them just how awesome he was, right? Ten plagues. Listen, I'm the almighty God. 
Let my people go. And finally Pharaoh did. And then God opened up the waters. His people walked through on dry ground. And then he closed the waters back on their enemy and destroyed their enemy. Pretty awesome God, huh? He brought them to Mount Sinai. There at Mount Sinai. Rumblings, thunder, lightning. Step back. Moses, do you mind going up there? God is awesome. They realized that. But they didn't step forward and keep stepping forward. They, they missed it. They, 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 they came short of it. They, they, they didn't enter into the rest that God had for them. Why? Their hearts were hard. Their necks were stiff. The desires of their heart were carnal. They wanted to go back to Egypt. Go back to the world. Are you like that? Is, is, is my heart like that this morning? Am I, am I so attached to this world and the things that it offers? Forgetting where God redeemed me and set me free. And, and, and I once stood in awe of him. And, and now I, I, I'm, not, I'm in fear of not going forward. Moses, uh, Moses had these people. And Paul's saying, listen, don't be like them. Their, their faith wasn't, it was non-existent. They missed their opportunity. Let, let none of us miss our opportunity. For indeed the gospel, look at verse 2, it was preached not only to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Why? Because it was not mixed with faith to those who heard it. Everybody says the gospel's in the New Testament. The good news. No, the gospel's in the Old Testament as well. We're wretched sinners in need of a Savior. And only the Messiah, the Christ, can save us from our sins. And your choice is to walk by faith and trust in God and the offer that He provides for redemption. Whether you're looking forward to the Messiah, the sacrifice that would come, or you're looking back and realizing it's come. That's what we're celebrating today. Don't miss this rest. Don't miss what God is offering you. Now listen, here's what's the rest. What is it that, that, that rest that was offered? Listen, this rest is not just the promised land. This rest isn't just heaven for us. Yes, that's an eternal rest. But do you realize the rest that, that is offered to you and me is we don't have to toil to be saved and to maintain our salvation? And we can enter into the finished work of Christ and rest in Him? We come to this table today and it's a reminder. Everything that's been needed has been provided for. One sacrifice for all time. Sufficient. When he said to tell us die, it's finished, it was enough. Praise God this morning. And God invites you and invites me in our walk of faith, in our wrestling with our flesh sometimes, to keep our eyes fixed on him and keep walking forward and don't miss the rest that only Jesus provides. In fact, even in the argument, Paul's going to say, listen, Jesus is better than Joshua. He, he couldn't really give rest in the land for God's people. Jesus gives us a rest not only in eternity, but right now we can rest in him. That doesn't mean it's not going to be easy. We're not going to walk through the fires. But those fires have a purpose to refine our faith, strengthen our faith, stretch us as we trust in him. Don't miss God's rest. And let us be diligent, as it says in verse 11, to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. They had the word of God preached to them. They had the gospel preached to them like we do. And see, listen, think about this. God spoke to them. God's still speaking to us. In fact, the word of God is living. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces soul and spirit and joints and marrow. 
It's a discerner of our thoughts and, and intentions of our hearts. Their hearts were hard. They, they didn't have faith. They didn't trust. And yet, here's the amazing thing. We have to be diligent to experience this rest that God is offering to you and to me, lest we miss out. And the thing is, God's speaking. In fact, no creature is hidden from his sight. All things are naked, laid bare before him, open to the eyes of the one that we have to give an account to. God's speaking today, not just from his word. All of creation has been speaking to us, not just today, all throughout the week, each and every day. It's declaring there's a glorious God, and we are privileged that God speaks to us. When I gave the little first graders their Bibles today, as we have promoted them, and now they go to school to learn to read. And as I reminded them, they go to school to learn to read so they can hear God speak themselves. And they can hear God in his word. And God speaks to us. Am I listening to what he might be saying? In fact, as, as part of the family of faith, I'm to encourage you. You're to encourage me. Listen, we stumble, we fall. But the righteous man gets up and keeps walking. I don't want to miss the rest. I don't want to miss what God has for me. And so we exhort one another each day. We cling to the word of God because we realize God's speaking. How are we going to make it, Pastor Chris? How am I going to make it? We're going to hold fast what we believe the Word has told us. What has the Word told us? Here's our confession. Look at verse 14. Seeing that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. We, we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all points is tempted as we are, yet without sin. What's fascinating is you go through this, this exhortation of the book of Hebrews, and Paul is reminding these believers, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. That's how you run the race of faith. Chapter 12, lay aside the thing that so easily what? Trips you up. Sin. It's different for every single one of us in this room. For some it's our pride, for some it's our tongues, for some it's our eyes that are attracted to things in this world. For some, it's different. But something trips us up in that journey of faith. And you need to fix your eyes on Him. And here's the amazing thing, in our journey, hold fast to your confession. When you do stumble, when you do fall, we've got a great high priest. Jesus, the Son of God. And he is at the right hand of the Father. He's passed through the heavens. He's there on the other side. Praise God what it says in 1 John chapter 2. The advocate with the Father. The righteous advocate. Who intercedes for you and for me. You see, the final word that's been spoken, even as it says in Hebrews chapter 1. Jesus this word that has come to us. We cling to this word that has been spoken. Because this is our great confession. He is the great high priest. That's the main point. Chapter 8 verse 1 of Hebrews. This is what Paul's trying to argue. He's the one we run to when we stumble and fall short. Now here's the amazing thing. There's no other great high priest. There's a high priest in the Old Testament. There are priests in the Old Testament. Only one of those priests got to be a high priest once a year. But there's no great high priest aside from Jesus. Why? Because he is the son of God. Fully divine and fully human. Now here's the amazing thing. Why is that significant? Why is that important? Because see, he can touch both sides. He's the one that Job said, Oh, that there was one who could identify with God and identify with me. His name's Jesus. He's the mediator, the go-between. 
He's the bridge that gets us from here to there because he came from there to here. And he is our great high priest. That's our confession. He's the one that we run to. When you need to have confession, you don't run to the confessional. You run to that great high priest up there. And you say, Father, forgive me. I have sinned. Have mercy on me. And those mercies are new every morning. And the expression of that mercy is his compassion that reaches to you and to me. And his mercies, just as Jeremiah would say, to a people as he wept over a nation that turned its back on God. And he cried out, God's mercies are new every morning. Lamentations chapter 3. His compassions fail not. You see, our great high priest... He's not here on earth. He's passed through the heavens. He's there at the right hand of the Father. As it says here in verse 16, he's at the throne of grace. He's there seated at the right hand of the Father, beloved. He's there until the Father says, go get my children. And he's there interceding for us today. Supplying what you and I have need of. You see, he passed through. When, when, When God took Moses up on the mountain and he said to him, Here, I want you to build this place of worship so that people can approach me. Mankind can approach me. He built that temple according to what he saw. The, 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 paradigm, the, 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 the first copy is in heaven. You can read about it in the book of Revelation, chapter 15. It's there. And, and Moses just made a copy of what God showed him already exists. And Jesus, when he offered the sacrifice for you and for me, he took that sacrifice and he presented it to the Father and said, this is the sacrifice that was required, me. What a great high priest. In fact, that's later the argument in the book of Hebrews. There's no other offering that needs to be made. Once for all time, Jesus has offered the sacrifice that's required. And as the high priest here on earth could only go into the presence of God on one day of the year, Jesus has access all the time to the Father for you and for me. So because of that, because we have him as our great high priest, we hold on to that confession. We hold on to it. We treasure it. We cherish it. And as we do that, we take steps forward each and every day. Why? Because God is compassionate. And we can come boldly to Him for His grace. As we walk, as we journey. Now stop and think for a moment. In the Old Testament, did they come boldly into the presence of God? Oh no. There was a separation. There was a recognition. They stood in awe of the Holy God. Moses, when he saw the fire, he said, I wonder what that is in that bush. Why isn't it consumed? And he went over there to see what was going on in that fiery bush. And when he got there, he heard the word of God. Stop, stand still. You're walking on holy ground. What did Moses do? He didn't go, well, I'll I'll just keep going. He fell down on his face. He's dead, right? When they went to the tabernacle to worship, and that priest went there to worship, he he could only go so far. And and then a high priest, he didn't say, well, I'll go a little bit further today. I'll go all the way in. He couldn't do that boldly. No. He was limited to going into the presence of God one day a year on Yom Kippur when he offered the sacrifice for the sins of the people. And only then could he go in after there was incense going before him, the prayers of the people for God's mercy. And then he goes in with the sacrifice on that one day, throwing blood as quick as he can on the mercy seat, crying out to God. And they had a rope attached to him to pull him back if necessary, right? They didn't go boldly 
They didn't go boldly. Listen, they didn't go, Moses didn't go boldly into God's presence on that fiery mountain. The people certainly didn't go boldly there. They stepped back and said, no, we ain't going nowhere. But see, here's the thing. If you and I have the wrong understanding of who God is, we won't come boldly for His grace. If we live in constant fear of judgment, He's just going to whack a sinner? No. Sinners can come boldly to Him because He is compassionate. When you stumble, when we fall, beloved He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins if you'll confess it. When we repent and we confess and we acknowledge, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Here's the amazing thing. Arrogant, proud people think they can go boldly into the presence of God. Like a Pharisee going up to worship. Self-righteous. Aren't you glad I'm here? And it was a tax collector held his head down and beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And those who are humble, those who are broken, those who are contrite, who tremble at God's word, they stand in awe. That's the one that God looks to, Isaiah 66. That's the one that God will look to. And see, this morning, no matter where you're at in your journey of faith, you've stumbled, you've fallen short, somebody's holding it over your head, someone's telling you how bad you've been, and a little imp whispering in your ear, ah, you're no good, you can't do it. You're right, you can't, none of us can. It's finished. Christ did it all. And what he asks is from you and from me, as we walk through life and on this pilgrimage, is that we come boldly to that throne of grace, because it's grace that transforms us. We can obtain mercy, and we can find grace to help us in times of need. Now, there's all of us are needy. We need things. We need healing grace. Some of us need uh, sustaining grace. We need grace just to get through the day sometimes. Here's the grace primarily. The context is don't be disobedient. Don't, don't, don't lack faith. Don't rebel as they did at Meribah. Don't, don't, don't complain against God in your sin. Instead, run to Him. And experience His mercy. Experience His grace. That's the free offer. Now, it was free for you and me. It cost a lot. And as we approach this table, we recognize, well, I'm not worthy. Jesus, you make me worthy through a sacrifice that you have offered. And the amazing thing, listen, tell me, are you going to throw in the towel? Are you going to give up? You say, I can't do it. I can't, I, I can't make it, Pastor Chris. That's why we need His grace. The danger is, listen, some of us are, are so, we're, we're not thinking rightly about God, and some of us are thinking more about this world, and we want to return to Egypt. That's what happened to God's people. They got there, instead of going forward in faith, some of them wanted to go back. Don't do that. Exhort one another. Listen, we encourage one another. Keep going forward in faith. Don't doubt God's ability to complete that good work that He began in you. We've got a great high priest interceding for us. He's the sacrifice that was offered for our sin. He is sufficient for everything we're going to face. Here's the amazing thing. Chapter 2, chapter 4. He knows this stuff we're wearing. He can sympathize with us. He put it on. And yet he put it on and he never sinned. Praise the Lord. He never fell short like you and I do. 
He never transgressed the boundaries. He knows the misery sometimes. But here's the amazing thing. Has anyone resisted to the point of shedding blood? No, none of us have. But he did. He did for you and for me. Three times. Father, if this cup can pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He's tried. He's proven. And grace and mercy are available today. Why won't you come to him? Why won't you run to him? Here's the thing. When you stumble, when you fall short, and you've presented yourself to a slave of unrighteousness, say, no, I don't want to continue in that. God, crucify my flesh and its desires. And put that desire in the, in, within me to, to want to be a slave of righteousness. That leads to holiness. And I come for grace. In fact, even before we partake of the Lord's Supper, it's a time where we reflect, search me, try me, know me, see if there's any wicked way in me, but lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, the words of my mouth, the meditation of my mind, let it all be pleasing to you is our desire this morning. And you know how that's possible? Grace and mercy. It's good stuff. You can have your laws and you can try to keep up and do everything just right to get in. It won't get you there. Grace. It's amazing stuff when you experience it. And when you have and you've been compassioned by God, you know what you do? You want to see others experience that compassion who've been run over and experienced, haven't experienced his grace and mercy. You see, praise God this morning, there is mercy for those who will come boldly.